Welcome to the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a Sports Illustrated channel. Gets to the edge. Tony Michelle will send the Dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. Hosted by Dogs Daily Riders, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's pitch. High out into right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. Right. Welcome back to another episode of the Classic City Sports Podcast, formerly the Dogs Daily Podcast. Still kind of obviously still associated with Dogs Daily as you see us everywhere there. Um, once again, just kind of getting into our rebranding. So you'll hear me say this a few times as we get going through all of it. Um, probably in the next couple of episodes, I'll still mention it to make sure it's, you, you know, you don't click on a video and all of a sudden be like, what is, what is this? Or, mm-hmm. you know, an audio thing and not realize what you're listening to. Plus the intro still talks about it. So, you know, um, we got a pretty fun, fun episode with you today. It's, uh, Jeremiah Stoddard as always, along with Jonathan Williams today. We do not have Kyle today. He's got a lot going on. Um, he will be back next week. Next week is going to be one you can't miss. Next week is going to be the week before Clemson. And so we are going to fully dive in to our pre Clemson matchup show, um, before we get into that season starting for Georgia. In the spirit of the season getting ready to go, though, we have a few fun things to talk about. One, speaking of Clemson, PFF came out with an article, I believe it was earlier today or a little bit ago, um, that someone sent to us uh, literally right before the shows tonight and saying Georgia loses by double digits to Clemson. Now, we're not predicting the game yet. So that is next week. We will we will give a prediction, score prediction, whatever, win-loss, that kind of thing next week. We will not give a prediction right now. But personally, especially considering the game is a spread of three, three and a half, I don't see either team winning by double digits. I, I know Georgia fans will disagree with that that way some too. Some Georgia fans think it's going to be a 14 plus point game in Georgia's favor. I'm going to say as a college football fan, as a um, somewhat of a sports journalist, we'll say, somewhat right? level-headed around we try there. to say, yeah, we try to be logical. We try to talk through stuff and actually see legitimate opportunities for Georgia when we, we want to be like optimistic, obviously. Right. But we're going to be, you know, real. That's just the way we are on the show. We're not going to sit here and say we're undefeated every single season Mm -hmm. when we are struggling, but I will say, I do not see Georgia losing by double digits. No, I don't either. I mean, I think PFF is one that usually always spits off some kind of off like, not necessarily accurate things. I mean, it seems like a lot of times maybe they're just publishing things for attention. But I just, especially when it's week one, you really just don't have an idea of like a real good grasp of how teams are going to look in week one. I mean, yes, you we already know that Georgia is probably going to be a top tier team in college football. And Clemson, of course, is going to be a top tier team in college football. But it's week one. I mean, a lot of things can happen in week one. I mean, people come out and they struggle early on. I mean, it's first game of the season. Journaling's pumping. So it's easy to get 
like just have a mind slip and you know something happens. So it's it's just it's just hard to gauge really what could happen in week one. But I definitely don't see a week one blowout by either team. I don't know that Georgia blows out Clemson, and I don't think Clemson blows out Georgia. I think these two teams are about as equal on both sides of the ball as it gets. Yeah, Clemson has some some edges against Georgia, but Georgia also has some edges against Clemson in some positions. And I think because of that, it's just gonna it's a tight game. We've been looking forward to this game for a long time, just as Clemson's been looking forward to this game for a long time a long time. So I think it's a great matchup, and I definitely don't think you see a, a blowout loss from either team. Yeah, I don't see blowout loss. I think a lot of it could come sometimes from just I mean, you look at what George is going through right now. Like we talked about all the injuries and other stuff like that. I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, with Georgia's offense or roster in general right now, that yeah. that could lead someone like PFF to think that Georgia's kind of really falling off. Um, but once again, it's the first game of the season. I think a lot of the the question marks on Georgia's roster, the injury stuff that we talked about last week, I think a lot of those guys end up playing. You know, the obvious ones that aren't going to play is going to be like a George Pickens. Yeah. I personally, I know they said day to day. I don't see Darnell Washington no. playing for probably a few weeks into the season, in my opinion, um, just off of stuff that like. You know, we've been, you know, looking through and everything like that. I, I don't see him playing early on. Uh, the day to day thing is, is funny to me because I just don't. It's coach speak. It's coach That's speak. What Kirby Smart they does. don't want to designate him for a few weeks out or something like that. They're just going to give him a day to day kind of thing. Um, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things that. You're not going to get a direct answer on no. this, especially right before the Clemson game. Yeah, that's what they. I will say that, like, I don't know that Kirby really pays too much attention to trying to play games as far as what Clemson does or doesn't know. We're going to have ready on there. I don't think he's sitting here going, you know what? I'm going to make sure that they have to prepare for him just in case. But man, if we can find out some stuff on him, I promise you, Clemson knows plenty to know that that man is probably not playing that game, whether or not yeah. he came out said day to day or not. So I think that that kind of stuff really makes a difference. Um, as far as like a PFF is looking at it and really trying to break down, you know, what the, the outcome will be. It, originally, that you know, it's a three and a half, three point spread. They're going out on a limb. I think it is a hot take. I will, I will say that it's a hot take oh, that they think that they win by double digits. But I mean, it's not extremely outlandish, you know, considering all the different things that play in. But I do think that Georgia has a very good chance of winning still. And I don't think that if they do lose, that they lose by double digits on them. And I think it's worth noting as well, like you just mentioned the line of being like around three and a half. I mean, even after Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith had their injuries announced, that line still hasn't moved. So obviously, everybody else still I think, has. Actually, I think it went, because that's what I think it was at three and a half. I think it went down to three, about to check. Yeah, it might have so, got more in favor of Georgia, theoretically. So, yeah, so obviously people don't think that that's going to affect the game very much. So... I don't know that that's enough reason. Just off of those two guys alone, I don't think that's enough reason to go ahead and say, like, oh, well, those two guys are going to cause Georgia to be down 14 more points now because they lost both of those guys. They are important pieces, of course, but I don't know that they affect the game. Them not being on the field affects the game that much. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, you know, Clemson Clemson returned a lot of defensive guys. Um, but one of their best, you know, one of the few that defensive starters they did lose was you know, somebody that's playing, you know, in the red and black this season. Um, and so that's something that really helps us as well. And we'll see how that plays out with him, obviously. But uh, that's, you know, that, that that's one of their pieces missing. So maybe we can go after that a little bit in their defensive back area, their cornerbacks. We do have we still have a lot of offensive weapons and a lot of receivers that are going to have great seasons this year, regardless if we have Pickens, if we have Darnell Washington early, if we have a Rick Gilbert. It doesn't matter. We're still going to have plenty of targets for JT Daniels to throw at. 
And then our the you know the Georgia running back room is ridiculous. We talked about that last week. So I, I think Georgia's offense does plenty to keep in the game with it. And I think Georgia has a better defense than Clemson. Um, but I feel like we're I'm borderline getting into a pregame stuff on there. So I'm going to stop so I don't get too deep into all of it. Um, but I, I think that Georgia, I don't think it's a fair thing to come out and say that Georgia is you know ten plus point loss. I think that is a, a bold take, and I, it's not something that you'll hear me say um, or anyone on this show say on there. No. So I think Georgia has a better chance than that. Um, but, you know, it's fun to – it's just speculation. We're in the middle of um, closing talking season, which we'll wrap that up a little bit tonight. We have some really good ones to go over because um, we're going to go – I realize I didn't give the full, you know, spiel of what we're going to talk about too. We're, we have kind of a, a guess of – you know what we, how we think the SEC is going to shake out, win loss records, roughly for all SEC teams, um, East and West there, and so we'll kind of break that down a little bit. That's what we did literally right before the show. We grabbed some paper, printed it off, and went over and, and said who we thought was going to win and lose each game real quick. And it's this is between Jonathan and myself. Kyle didn't see this. Kyle's not here. We'll ask him next week how he feels about it and then see, you know, that'll be a good thing to talk about next week as well as we get into it. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about the schedules and then, you know, wrap up talking season. There's some really good comments from some opposing fans that play right into what we just uh, talked about with, or what we're going to talk about with the <clears> schedule <throat> breakdown. So that'll be kind of fun as well. The other thing is week zero, technically starting, you know, games starting up this weekend. Games on yeah, the 20th. I believe there's a big 10 matchup this week. So that starts off. College game day is going to be back this Saturday. So college football officially starts this week. But So that's really exciting. Who doesn't love waking up to a Saturday morning and you have college game day on your television? It's just the best way to spend your Saturday morning. So College football season officially kicks off this week, which means talking season is also finishing up. And if you're me, I'm glad that's done because now you get to have all the talking be done on the field. So now we can sit here and respond to people when they make wild comments is, all right, they play on Saturday. All right, they play in two weeks. You can say what you want. We'll hit you with the Brooks Austin. Go watch the film. That's all we'll have to say now because the film don't lie, as we like to say. We'll refer you to Brooks Austin's uh, film breakdowns that he'll do his post game, uh, which I'll give a quick shout out on this. By the way, if you're listening to this, now's the time to join his Patreon subscription. There is a hot, hot giveaway going on right now. Uh, Jamie Goodman, you know, from the dog cast is actually in the discord chat and everything contributes to all this stuff on there. He's pretty cool. You get to talk to him, all that kind of stuff in there, but he has some Georgia, home opener tickets burning a hole in his pocket right now that he is going to give or he's, he's trying to give away to somebody within the Brooks Austin Patreon, you know, family. And he's, he's planning to, you know, pick somebody out after like this coming Sunday. And today is August 25th, Wednesday, about 7:40 right now. Um, so you have a few more days. If you're listening to this, hopefully it's out sooner rather than later. Um, but go join it because those tickets are up for grabs right now. While you're over there, you'll learn there's a lot of, you know, it's a family atmosphere. Everybody's there to enjoy it, talk football. Brooks gives all his insight, you know, insider information, breaks down film every week. The season's kicking off. He's going to do, you know, offense, defensive breakdowns, recaps from the last week, all that good stuff. So you'll see every bit of what Georgia did right and wrong or what they're preparing for in the week coming. So those are the those are the fun ones to watch there. So that's the plug. Go hit him up on patreon.com slash Brooks, Austin, try to get those home tickets, you know, the home opener tickets. And if you can't go to the game, 
Jamie Goodman is also saying that if that person wins and they can't go to the game, he's willing to part ways with some pretty cool Georgia gear. Kind of feel like it's memorabilia. That's typically how he rolls. So that's something that's also worth it. $10 a month. It's worth it right now, especially during the season. You won't regret it. Um, But anyways, back to the real topic. So you can, you know, tell them to go watch the film. Go watch it with Brooks Austin. You can you can see exactly what we did or didn't do or what we're gonna do. It's talking season comes to an end now. There's gonna be other teams that all they can do is talk. Oh yeah, definitely. And so those those fans are still For gonna sure. be out there. People plenty plenty of talking will still be going on, but Georgia fans and any other college football fans can also look and say this is the results. We can talk about results or we can talk about actual game stuff. You can't just speculate anymore. You know, it's I'm excited for it. I'm so tired of the talking season. Some of it's been fun though. It, it's been pretty entertaining. It kept it's us produced going. some good laughs for sure, yeah. which we've, is always a plus. We've had some good stuff come out of it. Um, but <laughs> so we'll wrap up with some finishing touches on that. Uh, we'll probably mention a couple other things next week on there because you know, right before the season, I'm sure it'll really get bad as far as some of the comments there. So oh, yeah. that'll be fun as well. Um, but you know, they're, they're one of the games that is coming up in week zero. Illinois and um, Nebraska. Uh, yes. Who was it? I just we just looked. I don't know. I'm blanking. Is it Nebraska? It's Nebraska. I think I'm pretty sure it's Nebraska because they were the yeah, ones. That Illinois with Nebraska. That's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm sitting here thinking. I'm blanking here. But anyways, Illinois and Nebraska. Um, I remember Illinois because that's who you need to be pulling for because you got Luke Ford up there and Prather Hudson. Prather Hudson, from what somebody told me earlier, was he's on track to start at defensive back. Got to keep that out there. And then look out for uh, Luke Ford playing tight end as well. So see if he gets some action. He had to sit last season, so he's finally getting his chance to play college football up there closer to his family in Illinois. Um, So that'll be a good game to watch this weekend. Other than that, there's really not a bunch of great games to watch (laughs) this weekend. I'll look through it. There's not a single top 25 ranked team playing until next week. Um, so there's, you know, not a ton to watch there. It's still fun though. Like you said, college game is going to be out there oh, in yeah, different definitely. places and it's going to, it's going to be fun to see how the season kicks off, whether you really care about who wins or loses. It'll be a fun game to watch regardless. College football's back. It is. We're bad. finally back. So that'll be a lot of fun to kind of kick everything back off, get kind of ready for it, kind of learn how to sit back on your couch on a Saturday, watch college football, preparing for the dogs to play. You know, it's your, your warm up week, I should say. Um, so once again, you have somebody to pull for there. The suggestion of the classic city sports podcast as well. So go ahead and do that for us. Um, but we'll go ahead and jump in cause I feel like it'll take a little bit here. We do have a breakdown of all of the teams in the sec and kind of like a win loss record that we kind of predicted here as well. Um, the paper that we have is alphabetical order. So we'll kind of go through that list roughly like that because it's easier than bouncing back and forth but then we'll kind of break down you know sec east sec west that kind of thing at the end of it so we'll start the obvious one once again alphabetical order alabama is the first one on the list and not much to go over there i mean everybody knows expectations of what alabama is going to be every single year but i mean it is worth noting we said 12 and 0 that's what we were predicting as of right now but we also said there's possibility of them going 11-1, which we won't give away right now. We, we, we can save that for later of what, who we think the possible one loss is. I'm not sure that it's really much of a secret at this point, but yeah, but more than likely, I mean, Alabama is the team to beat in the West without a doubt. Alabama is definitely the team to beat on there. And I, I'll go ahead and say 
um, just because I don't think it's like you said, it's not hard to figure out anyways. I think that the game that's going to be a really fun one to watch is going to be the Texas A&M game. I think that that is the one um, that you're going to have to actually tune in for, to see who's going to win it and who's going to take that conference, you know, the, the, the West Division out there. And that is, by the way, at Texas A&M. Kyle Field be rocking, Kyle man. Kyle Field, the 12th man. It'd be rocking, man. And so, I mean, that's the biggest home game for them of the year. So, you know, it is going to be absolutely packed out. You could be looking at a night game for that, possibly. It'll be a big one, for sure. And I think it will indeed be a good game. So, but I don't know. I, again, I don't exactly know that Texas A&M is able to pull it out. But I think it could get into one of those situations for Alabama where it gets into a trap game and momentum's going towards Texas A&M's way late in the game and Alabama's got to make a play to take the dub home. So we'll see how that goes. But definitely Texas A&M is a team to circle on Alabama's schedule. For sure. And that's, that's one that they can't sleep on. They have to make sure they show up ready to go, all that kind of stuff, which I won't jump into the stuff I kind of talked about about that last week anyways. You don't have to tell these these guys to get ready for a football game. They're playing you know, college football. They're, they're playing for something much more than just one week at a time. They're playing for their careers and everything as well. They don't need to be told to get up and play, be ready for a game. They'll be ready for the game, and I think it'll be it'll be a really fun one. Um, the one thing you do have to watch out for in these types of games is Texas A&M is going to come out swinging. Oh yeah, that's that's what they do, and it's sometimes you can you know you can catch them right on the chin, and then just they'll be dazed, and it's hard to come back. Think about, I mean, there's games in Georgia seasons in the past that we've seen that kind of stuff happen. You know, think about 2017 and and when we had to go play Jordan Hare and Auburn rocked us. I mean, it started from the beginning of the game. Stuff started falling apart, you know, not going our way early on, and we couldn't recover from it. That's the kind of stuff you got to watch out for in matchups like that because if Texas A&M catches them on the chin early, it could be hard for Bama to re, you know, center themselves, and it could become a really good game. Once again, I'm not calling it a win or a loss directly. I'm saying that most likely Bama's going to be your, your, you know, edging them out there. But it is something that they have very, you know, higher chance to lose compared to what they have on their schedule otherwise. So I think that's a fantastic matchup to watch. What week is, you know, roughly four or five or five or six games in maybe. Yeah, right um, in the middle of the season. It'll be a fun one to watch. It'll be a fun one to watch there. So the next one is pretty interesting as well, staying in the, the West, and that's going to be Arkansas. I'll kick it over to you to start there as well. I think Arkansas is a really interesting team this year just because you got second year with Sam Pittman as a head coach. And they actually surprised a lot of people last year. Sam Pittman brought a lot of momentum to that team. I mean, got them up their first SEC win in, what, two years or something mm-hmm. like that? So they won he, a couple, didn't they? Yeah, they won a couple games, not even just like one. And he was competitive against Georgia in the season opener. And he was competitive in a lot of games I don't know that necessarily a lot of people saw them being competitive in. So I think he has quite a bit of momentum rolling for Arkansas. And so I just think they're one of those teams that, you know, a team that might be better than them on paper, but if they don't come out stronger, and Arkansas does, because, I mean, they're going to be motivated to play every single week just because, essentially, they probably don't they don't really have anything to lose when they're playing anybody because their expectations this year are not going to be really winning the West. But they do have a chance to have some serious upsets in their own division and ruin someone else's chances at winning the West or going to the college football playoff. So I think they're a really interesting team this year. They have some really good talent offensively. I think they have one of the best wide receivers in in the SEC right now. And I think their defense is pretty solid as well. So I think Arkansas is definitely a team to watch out. Not necessarily, again, to win the division, but just a team that you can't you can't take lightly when you have them come up on your schedule. I think that's a very good way to look at it too. And, and we have them coming in right around – we're going to say it's – 
borderline a six and six team. We kind of stretched it real quick just to say that, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a bold take to say that they're bowl eligible this year. Um, two games that we had to watch that could be really good ones on their schedule there, um, is Texas and Mississippi State. Both of those games could be interesting to see. Now, it'll also be fun to watch that Texas game because. Will Texas finally be back? Will they finally be back? back? Yeah. Will they finally be back? Let's see if they can beat Arkansas and Sam Pittman. Um, but that was one that we actually had as kind of a question mark game because it, Texas isn't, you know, they're, they're not back, first of all. And Arkansas really does have some good momentum going the right direction. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fun to see how that one plays out and see Sam Pittman was able to win a, a few games early on in his career at Arkansas. Now he's had an extra season. Doesn't have to deal with COVID the same way because they've had a full, you know, preseason kind of fall camp, spring all that kind of stuff. Now he can really, really try to piece things together for his team and see what they can do. So once again, we're predicting maybe around a six and six season for them with a couple good games in there um, as well. So then this is a good one for the Georgia fans out there, right? Auburn. Uh, Auburn. I don't know, honestly, because I don't have a whole lot of faith in Bo Nix. First off, I think Bo Nix has had opportunity after opportunity to go and prove himself to be this elite quarterback that everybody is, saying he is, and I just really haven't seen it. So with that, and then also when you have a new head coach coming in, it's just hard to really predict how a team is going to respond to that and also how well they're going to gel in their first season. So with that, I think that I I think they have the opportunity to be like kind of a middle-of-the-pack SEC West team, but I think they also have the chance that they could be possibly a bottom feeder in the SEC West. So we have them possibly either going 4-8 and as their floor – like that's probably the worst that they'll go this season, and then at their best, they're probably like a seven and five team. But I don't see them being up at the top of the SEC West this year, just because, like I said before, I, I don't. I think there's too many question marks surrounding this team. And again, their starting quarterback, I just don't. I don't have a whole lot of trust in him to help bring our Auburn up to that elite level this year. I agree, and it's one of those things that, like, they—I mean, they are in the West. They do have some pretty tough matchups in general. I will say a notable game that we we did count them as a loss for Penn State. Man, at Penn State, that, that's a tough place to play. I mean, it's a tough place to play. They're always up in like the top ten area or something. Now, I will say this though: if Penn State at home can't beat Auburn, it, their season needs to be go ahead and just quiet them up at that point because <laughs> yeah. at home against a you know, what we're looking at is like a not even really middle of the pack, maybe like lower level. I mean, maybe middle, we'll say middle of the pack SEC team, you know, between East and West. We'll say Auburn middle of the pack kind of team there. Uh, if you're going to be considered a Penn State top 10 type team, you've got to win that game. You, at home, that you game. can't lose at home. No. It, otherwise, that, that kind of wraps that up. But it'll be a fun. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Penn State for that, though. They went ahead and scheduled Auburn. In the regular season, that's the kind of stuff I want to see more of. I want to yeah. see teams like Penn State going out and, and scheduling those bigger matchups. Now, yeah, Auburn ended up not being so great this year, and they just lost their head coach. But you can't prepare for that. Like we, Georgia, Georgia has games scheduled for I mean, we play 2028, 2029, 2031, or 2031. Yeah. Um, you just don't know what those teams are going to look like in 10 years no, from now. No, we're 10 years away. I think we have a game against Clemson maybe in twenty. 20- 30 or something like that. I believe we do, yeah. Um, or Oklahoma, Texas, like in that range. And you don't know how these teams are going to be in a decade. So you can go out and schedule these teams. That's all I ask for because you know they're typically a good team. You can't help if they're not great when you actually get to them on your schedule. Um, but that's a shout-out to Penn State for actually going out there and doing that as well. Um, next. Another fun one for Georgia fans. 
is Florida. Now, this one, if a Florida fan actually does see this, they're not going to like what we have to say here. Um, well, maybe they might because they, they, they were pretty high about last season. And so based on the record that we have down right now, they may actually see this as a win and get pretty excited because they, they were riding on a high horse after last season. So maybe they will be pleased with this answer because eight and four seasons are what Florida fans seem to be aiming towards. And that is exactly where we have Florida place right now is eight and four. So maybe that is a win for Florida fans. I don't know. Maybe that's their expectations. I will say that I, I, um, I was talking to a guy that is a Florida fan the other day on it and, um, and you know, he's, He's one that actually, like, he's living in Georgia, obviously, so he's not exactly your aggressive, like, kind of person on there. He's a little bit more of an even-tempered person. Um, and he said, he, you know, he pulls for Georgia overall, except for that game down in Jacksonville. <laughs> and I said, oof, you don't want to hear my opinion of that game down in Jacksonville. He said, no. Nah. He said, I, he said I, I don't see them having a chance to win that game um, yeah. this year. He said last year, you know, if Georgia – he even said last year if Georgia kept running the ball, that they probably could have won the game last year on them. Um, if they could have got that game going a little bit more. So that was his, his point of view on it. And so this year he says that there's Florida doesn't have the chance on it. So we agreed on that, actually. I don't think Florida has the chance to win, like legitimate chance, I'll say. But they did, they have like a fighter's chance in the same concept that I was talking about earlier with uh, Alabama and Texas A&M is if Georgia gets caught on the chin early, it's a hard one. Jacksonville is – I don't know if you've ever been down there for that game, but, man, I'm telling you what, that is – Probably one of the most fun experiences as a Georgia fan um, as far as games to go to. Now, the ones in Stanford Stadium are amazing. Don't get me wrong. I was at the Notre Dame game and stuff like that. That was insane atmosphere. But still, there's something about playing in Jacksonville and having the stadium split perfectly half and half. It, it, that environment's incredible. And to go down there and, and come out with a win is extremely fun. But with that, it is easy for the team to come down there and get punched right in the jaw and then not be able to kind of completely recover from it. So it's it's one of those games that, you know, it's you always got to watch it. It could still potentially be pulled a different direction, but I really, I would say there's like at least like a 75, 80% chance Georgia's going to win that one in Jacksonville this year, which is, you know, I mean, but the, to be fair with Florida, the losses that we have them credit, I'm just going to say who it is real quick because it's, I mean, it's worth mentioning. You know, they have Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and this is the one, this is the one that I stick to, and we'll get back to here in a little bit as well. Is we have a loss with them with Kentucky. I think Kentucky finally breaks through and beats Florida this year. They they're so close every single year. They haven't won in ridiculous amount of time, but they I think this year I think they get the edge. They're playing at home. I think this is the time that Kentucky actually has a chance to pull that game out and finally break that losing streak to Florida. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it's like you were saying with Georgia too. Like when it comes with rivalry games, especially when it's your most hated rival, I think all around, I think for most Georgia fans would say that their most hated rival is Florida. Probably, you just never know. I mean, you're going to get each team. Each team's going to give the other team their best shot every single time, no matter what. I don't care what the record is for that season. You're going to get the other team's best shot. But, yeah, I think Kentucky does have a really good chance at beating Florida this year, especially considering it is at Kentucky. So that's going to be on the road. And also, I mean, reports were coming out just the other day that Emory Jones is still struggling in the passing game. And it's not even like with his deep shots or anything I'm like that. I'm surprised. No, I'm not surprised. We've you know, been saying I've been this. beating that drum all this off is a season. dead horse. This is about as dead of a horse as Georgia's basketball team right now. I've been right beating now, that drum. Ooh. But 
it's the checkdowns that he's overthrowing and he just mm-hmm. has not found any consistency yet. So if it's if we're late into the offseason, I mean we're a week away from when college football starts. So I think it, you're kind of running out of time in that area for Emory Jones to find his groove and so I I don't see Emory Jones being consistent enough this year to bring them over the top of more than 8 and 4, maybe 9 and 3. I mean but nothing more than that, in my opinion. I just I, If you don't have a consistent quarterback in this league, you're probably not going to be doing very – you're not going to be very successful. I mean, Georgia's found that out the hard way. If you don't have a very consistent quarterback that can get you down the field efficiently, you're probably going to struggle in a lot of games that you probably – I mean, it's this, it's just how the offense has transitioned now. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's my opinion on Florida. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting one because, once again, like part of what made them – the you know the team to kind of beat in the East last year until they kind of unraveled late in the season was their offensive production. Kyle Trask was as consistent as any quarterback in the in the nation last year, and again that's why they were so successful. When you find a consistent quarterback that is very efficient at, as well, you're going to win football games. You're going to be competitive against everybody that you play. Now he was a Heisman candidate. And he, but but the thing is, you don't even have to have a Heisman candidate no. quarterback. Like you said, it just has to be consistent. And so when you look at like, not only was he a consistent quarterback, and I know this is a hard one for Georgia fans to listen to sometimes, is he wasn't a bad quarterback. No. He was a Heisman contender for a reason. He was good. Great and he continued to get better as the season went on for the most part. Um, and so not only did they have a consistent quarterback, they had a quarterback that week in, week out was actually improving overall and actually was coming out there and winning them games like that. And, and that's what you need in this day and age. And, and when you're going up against teams like a Georgia and Alabama, um, LSU and stuff like that, you're going to not have to be able to score. And if your quarterback can't hit his checkdowns and your quarterback's struggling with his accuracy and inconsistency, what you're going to do is then you're going to see Emory Jones come out there and you're going to see him scramble a lot. You're going to see a lot more you design become runs. predictable. You become one-dimensional. On he's offense. not running away from Georgia linebackers. He's not running away from Alabama linebackers. Yeah. He's, he may gain a couple yards, but he's not going to win them the game like that. And they're going to need him to go out and win the game in these against these teams that we're talking about. And he's not going to be able to do that. So it's going to be it's going to be a rough one for him this season. So don't don't get your hopes up there, Florida fans. It's it could be a long season. You know, we we gave you eight wins. Think right? Is that what we gave? Y'all were happy about that last year, so don't come after eight us. All right, eight eight wins. You were very content with last year. Eight and four. So, I mean, you can't really no. You can't complain too much with that because it could get worse. To be honest with you, we'll see. We'll see how it plays yeah. out. But it could get worse. Yeah. Again. Now you don't really know. So yeah. Again, it's preseason. So yeah. like I've been saying this whole season, time. So. Yeah. You just really don't have any idea. You can't say with a hundred percent confidence anything right now because. No games have been played, and until games are played, you really you don't have a great idea of how teams are going to look until they play against somebody else outside of practice, right. until you actually get to see them with your own eyes. So, yeah, I think it'll be a fun one to wait and see how stuff is about to play out for them, and all the questions will be answered soon. Let's see if the quarterback whisperer can help Emory Jones. You better hope so. About to find out very, very soon. So. What do we say? Just out of curiosity on there, when's the first? Oh, yeah. Yeesh. I mean, at least they get a. They'll watch. All right, before we switch, because I, this is worth noting as well. FAU and South Florida are the first two teams they play against. So watch, he's going to come out and he's going to probably light it up against those two teams, right? And everybody, oh, Emory Jones, look, exactly, exactly. 
Emory Jones out here. He's he's showing out. He's going off. Look at him. The, the quarterback whisperer is back at it. You can keep talking about him not being good, all that, right? Week three, Alabama. Good luck. Good luck with that one. And Georgia had to play Alabama, what, week three this year? Or was yeah, it I believe four? it I think was week, week four. Three. Um, I think it might have been four. But anyways, at that point, we're still running with Stetson Bennett. We thought Stetson Bennett was walking was Jesus on earth coming. I mean, into just that. because of what we had yeah. what we had thought we were gonna have to start the season, and then we're really kind of freaking out yeah. because of our quarterback situation. And, and he then, earned that. I mean, he went and, in and beat Auburn. And to be fair, to be fair, yes, he did. He did beat Auburn at home for us, and he came and played lights out in that game. But to be fair, against Alabama, there was a couple of plays that that whole game could have changed. If he had made the right read, that's what I'll say. There was a couple that yeah. he just missed. He just didn't see the guy. He didn't throw it to the, the guy that's streaking right over the middle. There's a few plays like that, like in the third quarter, there was a play or, or an overthrow, stuff like that. So we were within striking distance, you know, in the third, going into the fourth quarter kind of thing, if he had made a couple plays. So he even in that game, he came close. Now, he wasn't great. He's our third or fourth string quarterback right now. Um in general, now, if you listen to Brooks Austin or other people, you know, even we've kind of talked about this too. If it's a mid-game kind of thing where, say, JT, say his helmet pops off for a play, right? So you got to come out for a play. The quarterback that's running out there for Georgia is going to be Stetson Bennett. He, he's going to be the guy they just randomly insert like that. Now, if he has time, if Kirby has time to actually plan and maybe prepare a quarterback for like a full week or something, at that point, I don't know that he's the guy that runs out there for you, but it, I say he's third, fourth on the depth chart overall. But if it is like an instant moment kind of thing, he's going to be the next guy put in. Um, Jordan fans and he's may not like that. that. I think, I think we all that. can agree that he has earned that to have that role. He the, showed Georgia season. that they, that he can come off the bench, cold basically, and and play pretty well. Um, and so I think that is something that he has earned. One thing we do know about Kirby is he does in fact appreciate you know experience and stuff like that. So I think that. In the game, immediate change, I think it's going to be him yeah. um, as well. But with that being said, Florida and Emory Jones, is Emory Jones, a, is is he like a Stetson Bennett? He's decent, not your great quarterback, though. I guess you'll find out soon, right? Um, next on the list, we're going to skip. We're going to wait because it's Georgia alphabetically, but we're going to hold off. That's got to be our last team that we talk about, right? Yeah. So let's go. This is the East contender outside of Georgia that we, we kind of zoned in on before the show, and that is Kentucky. Kentucky could be a fun one to watch this year. You know, we, we started this off with they could go as high as ten and two, maybe nine and three. And which would at that point, if you're keeping score here after we just talked about Florida, that would have them at, you know, right ahead of Florida in, in the SEC East. Yeah, and I think the one thing that's gonna play a big factor in to Kentucky, and they they consistently have this down to a T for their team usually, is that they have one of the best offensive lines in the SEC, I believe, this year. So I think that plays a big role. They usually have a really good running back every single season as well. So I think that they'll be able to um, not necessarily compete with a team like Georgia. I don't know that they are on that level, but I think they're talented enough to where they could definitely compete with the rest of the East and then also their Western opponents this year, which are Mississippi State and LSU. I don't so I think they're I think they're very talented enough to compete with those SEC West teams, and then also pretty much outside of Georgia, they're able to compete with the rest of the Eastern Division as well. So I don't think they're necessarily going to be top five, top ten team, but I think they're definitely 
around that 10, 15 range, possibly. Because I, I see that for them this season. I, I really do. Yeah. I think that they, I mean, they, they haven't been that far off a few times. And look at, like, they, you know, they really held Georgia in, you know, control a little bit last year. And Georgia couldn't run away with it. Now, part of that was the, the you know, the game design that they had. And they just, they were like, you know what, we're going to keep the ball on the ground. We're going to run it. We're going to get the clock going. Keep the ball out of Georgia's hands as much as possible. Now, Georgia fans absolutely hated it after that game. And we're talking so much about Georgia's offense, all the issues, all this, that, and the other, right? Well, one, Georgia was going into that game with the intent to kind of run the ball a little bit more anyways because at the time, Kentucky was leading the SEC in interceptions. And we were not looking good at quarterback at this point in general, so we were kind of trying to protect it. And guess what? We did throw a pick in that game, did we not? We did. So, And also something to note was the amount of injuries that Georgia had that week. I mean, there was, what, eight injuries? And, and the, they kept going the down week, in the game. Yeah. In the game, they kept getting hurt. And, I mean, all... I mean, we can't sit here and lie. I mean, our eyes were focused on Florida because that's who our next opponent was. And so probably had that mentality of like, okay, Kentucky, let's just get by this and we'll go play Florida. And that's who we're really focused on. So like we've said before, that can happen easily. I mean, you, you say your eyes is too far forward in a, in a college football season. You get punched in the mouth like Georgia did against Kentucky last year. And you got yourself in a battle that you were just scrapping and fighting to get out of and come out with a victory, which Georgia was able to do, but probably had to – Probably wasn't the ideal like game plan for that for the game against Kentucky. And Kentucky's just usually one of those teams. It seems like they at any moment they just hit you square in the mouth, and it's all about how you respond after that. Because once they get some momentum in their hands, then after that, it's just unknown about how it could go. Yeah, and I mean, once again, you're looking at an earlier earlier in the season kind of matchup. It wasn't late late in the season, and we've been going through you know the COVID situation, so we didn't have you know Georgia didn't have a lot of time to put together a lot of work in the off season with it. Um, so that, you know, partly played into it. And I think Kirby looked at it. And the reason I bring that up is not an excuse as far as, cause everyone had the same thing, but I'm just using that as a, with a brand new offensive coordinator kind of thing. Um, you didn't really have a lot of time for his playbook and stuff to develop the way that he wanted it to. So he's looking at it as like, they've got a lot to learn after the, after the first week, you know, Georgia fans are seeing, um, the players run out there with armbands on because to make sure they know, which tells you they didn't know what they were doing out there. There was a lot of yeah. mis- you know, miscommunication, you know, not knowing where, where they're supposed to be, and what plays are, that kind of stuff. And so when you go up against a team like Kentucky that was taking the ball away a lot in the air and you aren't sure, you know, Just if your guys are ready to too. go. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things that it's, I think Kirby happily, you, you know, kind of talk about like Georgia maybe looking beyond. I don't know that it even got to that. I think Kirby literally could have walked in and said, this is what we're doing. We're running the ball. I, I know that I know that you have a great offense and I know that you can score us a lot of points. Don't think we're ready for that yet. And this team picks the ball off a lot. I don't want to air it out a time. I want to keep it on the ground. But then when you pair that with the fact that Kentucky just ran the ball and ran the ball, I think they had a 12 play drive early in the game. I think Georgia had the ball, what, three times in the first half? Four times in the first half? Yeah. I Four think possessions like in the first that. half. And I think the last possession with that was also like with 30 seconds left in the half. Mm-hmm. So really three full possessions in the first half. So, yeah, you scored seven points there. Didn't have a ton of opportunities, and you were trying to run the ball yourself. So I think that one's where it played in there. But don't forget, Kentucky just a couple years ago was a win against Georgia away from winning the SEC East. <laughs> So they're not, they haven't been that far. It's not a crazy thing to talk about no. them finally getting moved in forward. And then with the other teams kind of stepping back, like we've talked about already, I do think that, I think Kentucky's the SEC 
runner-up or SEC East runner-up, I should say. So I think that's good, but we'll, you know, for the sake of time, we'll, we'll kind of run through a little bit quicker and, and move past that. We'll spend a little bit more time on East teams than West teams at this point um, until we get to one particular West team that's worth talking about again a little bit more. Um, next on this list is similar to the Florida kind of thing on there is an, an LSU, um, which we had coming in at about eight and four. Based on last year, that's not a terrible season, um, you know, no, as far as what they're looking at. They do have, you know, not a favorable schedule all the time either. So I think they're trying to rebuild and, and refigure some stuff out there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of play out as well. I think LSU is just one of those teams that they still have a lot of good talent on their team. They have a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball still. So I don't know if that alone is going to be enough for them again to be like a top-tier competitor in the West against teams like Texas A&M and against teams like Alabama. But I do think they have enough to where they'll be competitive pretty much in every single game. And there will be some games where they take away a win or – you know, or there might be a week where they just don't really have it. They're not putting it all together and they lose a game. So I just think they're one of the, they're, they're just that type of team this year in the SEC West. I think they'll still be really solid this year, though, for sure. Yeah, I think that's definitely, um, I think they're a potential contender in the, like the long run, you know, for the SEC West, like always. I think they just need a little bit more to kind of put stuff together. I don't think they're really knocking on the door of an SEC West no. title this season. Um, hence the reason we looked at and, and gave them an eight and four season. Um, but I mean, to be fair on there, like they, they do have a, a, there's a couple losses that we, you know, aren't great, great teams that we can give them. But like, think about like a, an Alabama, you know, um, a Texas A&M, like that kind of, those types of games is. And even UCLA, like I said before this, I don't really know anything about UCLA. So I can't say like with authority that, LSU wins that game. We did predict them winning that game, but it's on the road. Don't and, know enough about them. Yeah, we just really, don't know enough yeah. about them. So I think that first game will be really telling of them. You, you got to go all the way out to California on the road, play against UCLA. Let's see what you're made of in week one. That's yeah, what that is. For absolutely. Them. Big and, game for them. And that's another one that kind of talks back to what we were saying earlier as well. Like, way to go, UCLA, going out and scheduling a, a big game like that to start the season. There are a lot of good conference games this year, I've seen. We did kind of talk about that. I think I think that's actually getting a little bit better maybe um, throughout, like, as a whole. You're still going to see the small little teams here and there on the schedules, like the cupcake, cupcake type games. But, uh, but yeah, good for UCLA getting on a schedule of LSU, um, you know, for a, a opening game kind of thing and that'll be a fun one to watch outside of the georgia one obviously week one as well so keep your eyes open for that next on the list is mississippi so Ole miss and we had them going nine and three right yeah nine and three um with their you know you got a a couple you know obviously everyone pretty much is getting an l to alabama in in the west that has to play on there so we we basically gave them that um, and then we had texas a&m as an l as well so texas a&m and then this is the one this is the one that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about a little bit ago with arkansas we we have an l to arkansas on this list right here as one of their as one of their three losses now that's one that could go a different way so theoretically theoretically mississippi or old miss could be borderline a 10-win team which puts them in a little bit more of a competitive conversation in the West as well. I don't think they're actually competing for a West title because, um, like we said, we already just called out a loss to Alabama and Texas A&M. At, like, those aren't changing, I don't think, at all. So without being able to win those, you're not going to be actual contender contenders for the West. 
But right there, it's not that bad. No, and especially when you have someone like Lane Kiffin as your head coach, who's just an absolute offensive guru. I mean, we saw what he did against Alabama last year. And to be honest, Ole Miss had no business being in that game. But when you're no. putting up 63 points against Nick Saban, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be all right probably playing against. So there's, I think they're just one of those teams though where like some weeks they just look like they're world beaters. Like nobody can stop that offense, and then. You move on a couple weeks, and it just seems like the offense really can't find their groove in anything. Like Matt Corral struggles a little bit, and then you. But you also have like John Rice Plumley. So I think they have so many weapons. I think they they're a really good football. Well, I think they are a good football team. I don't know if I'll say really good football team, but again, I think I feel like we keep saying this so many times with all these teams, but they're just one of those teams where any given week they could hand you an L if you're if you're a Texas A and M or if you're in Alabama. Well, it's one of those things because like we just talked about again, like a little bit ago when we were talking about Florida is we're getting into where it's a more offensive style game. And when you're talking about a team that can put 60 points up against Bama last year, they can go out. Technically, they can go out and beat anybody. If they can score like that, they can go beat anybody. I mean, 60 points is a lot of points for anyone to put up kind of thing. So, I mean, so if they can score like that, they can beat anybody. The thing is, their offense is so good. Their defense is equally as bad. Bad, yeah, and that's why they still lose games when they're scoring fifty points. I mean, yeah. if they had a trouble. lick of defense, if they had any type of defense, actually, it just made me think of uh, there was a um, an SEC short that came out, you know, not long ago, and it was talking about the uh, Ole Miss, and it's like if only they could have, you know, had any type of remnants of like the the what was it, two thousand thirteen, maybe it was like the Land Shark, the y'all remember the Land Sharks, Robert Kendichi, when they had like a. Defense, defense, and when the Egg Bowl actually was like a big deal, it was Ole Miss, Mississippi State it was like a almost a West deciding game. Like it was a big deal. Yeah. Think about if they had that type of defense and had even remotely this kind of offense. I mean, it would be insane. And like they could actually be a contender in the SEC West this year if they had any type of defense on there. So maybe maybe their defense improved, and all of a sudden they can turn that around. You never know, but I don't think they necessarily have considering where they were. Um, to make that big of an impact, you know, big change. But I think it's it's worth mentioning that they score enough that they could come out there and once again hit you on the chin, and then you can't keep up with them anymore. You yep. let them get ahead of you, and you could struggle. Yeah, they're a team that you do not want to fall behind early, and definitely not, not at all. Um, so next on the list, we got to follow it up with Mississippi State, obviously, which pretty close to where we were just talking about with an Ole Miss, um, you know, but a little bit lower. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about Mississippi State just because I don't know much about their team other than Mike Leach is a 10 out of 10 interview. So every, always fun. Always try and catch Sound a Mississippi post game um, interview because Mike Leach is – yeah, he's going to give you line after line. So 7-5, and five, I think that's about right. Really not much to say, though, schedule-wise or anything else about Mississippi State. Yeah, I agree. I think there's not a ton of time to spend there just because – they just, I mean, they're they're one of the teams that's very much in the middle. Like, you expect them to win quite a few games, but at the same time, like, you, you aren't surprised at all when you see them come out and lose five yeah. games. Like, it's not going to shock anybody to see that kind of schedule. Now, one that I do, looking at right here when we went over, I, kind of a surprise that we had Missouri jumping up a little bit more than I thought they would. Um, but just looking at their schedule and kind of where they're at, I think that they, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion they go 7-5 and five this year compared to where they were last year and everything, that's that's not going to be a bad season for Missouri. A pretty good step in the right direction there as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, I don't really have a whole lot to say about Missouri, but um, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great. If you're a Missouri fan, I think that's very realistic, and I think that's a, a big improvement for you to be a seventy-five team, bowl eligible. And so, yeah, I think Missouri will be a decent team again. Probably not competing with the teams above them like Georgia, Kentucky, or maybe even Florida. But I think they're definitely talented enough to where they can handle the rest of their business elsewhere in the in the division. Absolutely, absolutely, and it'll be interesting to see if they can actually kind of keep up. I think they have um, some issues in like the recruiting side that's really kept them from being yeah. able to keep up and compete regularly in the SEC, even the SEC East. Um, for you know the last several years they've been in there, they you know they started strong when they came in, winning the division twice. But then since then, it's just been they're just quiet. They're yeah. just quiet, and they haven't. And that's because of recruiting. They just haven't been able to keep up with the other SEC teams and the recruiting side of it to really rebuild their roster. Um, and, and, you know, having a quarterback like Drew Locke. Makes all the world difference for a team was, like that. Yeah, he was great. And they just didn't have anybody around him. Yeah. You know, and it didn't was... Didn't have anybody to come in and replace him. And they didn't have anybody... Yeah, they didn't have anybody to come replace him. So then you just look at it. It's just... So last year just kind of fell apart in the middle of COVID, all that kind of stuff. They just really didn't put anything else together. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they come out this year. Now they had a little bit more time to prepare, looking at their schedule... You know, we're giving them the benefit of the doubt. See if they can turn stuff around, make themselves a little bit more competitive. It'll be a fun one to watch. Yep. Next on the list is um, we're going to get into some of the the really rough ones in the SEC East for yeah. you know a little bit here. Um, South Carolina, actually, surprisingly enough, South Carolina we had bowl eligible at six and six, and that might be a little generous considering all things. I mean, considering they just promoted a grad assistant to to be eligible to play quarterback for them this year. So, I think six and six might be a little too generous for a team like South Carolina, and they're just having to rebuild a lot. You just lost your head coach, Shane Beamer's in there now, trying to rebuild things and get some momentum going in for that program. So, six and six might be a little generous, but I think they also have one of the best running backs in the SEC as well. So, if you get that ground and pound game going, and again, if they can do something like Kentucky did last year, just chew clock, get ahead of a team, and you get a couple stops. I think they can scratch out a few wins, definitely, and maybe even get to be bowl eligible. But I think that, might, considering all things, I think six and six could also be maybe a little too generous. It could, and the reason that it could definitely be a little too generous on there, we did give them. Uh, I, I think that the odds of them being six and six are probably a little bit on the you know unrealistic part of it, just slightly. And the reason for that is because one of those wins we had listed as an Auburn win right there, so. Auburn is falling, uh, you know, a little bit on their own, but I, I think that that is one of those games, which is why we had Auburn. What do we have them, you know, potentially winning four games, but potentially winning seven? Yeah. You know, it, that's the reason because of a game like that being on the schedule, um, where they, we went ahead and gave South Carolina that win, but Auburn could very well win that game, which would then mean, you know, South Carolina going down to like a five and six. But to be fair, I mean, the three of those wins are non-conference wins. The other non-conference game they have is Clemson, which is not going to go well. Um, so three of them is, you know, almost a guarantee. You got like Troy, uh, Eastern Illinois, and East Carolina. Like those games, yeah, you're going to have to give them those wins. Um, and then there's, I mean, Tennessee, which we'll talk about in a second. I mean, Tennessee, I don't think is a far stretch to give them the win. The only game I think that we gave a win on there that's really kind of a stretch is going to be Auburn. Yeah. And but once again, that's why we put Auburn where we did as being, you know, four to seven wins, one or the like in between that range. Games like this, um, it's just 
So, I mean, yeah, it's a little generous, but quite frankly, it's not SEC wins that they're getting. It's, you know, three non-conference, and then you have a Tennessee, you know, um, Auburn in there, like that kind of stuff. Like Vanderbilt, yeah, they're going to be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's going to be rough. So, I mean, quite frankly, it's not that generous. It's just that one game. Yeah, yeah, very true. So we'll go ahead and jump into the next one. And while we're actually on this one, We'll go ahead and read one of the um, talking Talk season, season submissions that we had. And basically, to summarize it up, they typed out a lot. Basically, this Tennessee fan typed out his synopsis of how he thinks that the Tennessee season will go this year. And the first sentence says, 10-2 and two is obtainable with losses to Florida and the Crimson Turds. That's how he phrases it. So basically... What, those, so those are the only two wins that he sees. Or, sorry, losses. those are the only two losses that he sees. It's against Florida, Florida and Alabama. We have them going 4-8. and eight. <laughs> So, yeah. But they had them going 10-2? and two. Not happening. Not not happening at all. I mean, for starters, you lost Henry To'o To'o, who is, without a doubt, a Sunday linebacker in the future for the NFL, and a very good one, who's now at Alabama. And not to mention all the other, like, what, 18 transfers this offseason? I mean, it seemed like everybody up in Tennessee was hitting the portal for a good reason. I mean, it's a hot mess up there right now. And, yeah, I think there's no way that they go 10-2, and not at all. No. We're talking for, like, we'll go through the, we'll quickly run through the schedule real quick. And you tell us where their 10-2 and season comes from with this, and we'll let you know what we had them, L or W, each one. You know, starting the season in Bowling Green, sure, you win that game, that's fine. Then they play Pitt. I'm giving them an L against Pitt. I don't think they win that game. Nope. Um, and then they, yeah, they play Tennessee Tech. Sure, you can win that game too. Yeah, good for you. But that's two of your four wins. Um, and then you've got a, a big old L to Florida. Yep. A big old L to Missouri. You get an L to South Carolina. L to Miss or Ole Miss. L to Alabama. You're losing Kentucky. You're losing Georgia. And then here you go. You can beat. South Alabama, and then you can beat Vanderbilt. We were Vanderbilt could punch you in the face a little bit, yeah. But I still think you win that game. There's no way Tennessee is winning ten games this season. There's no way they win six games this season. Yeah. There's they're just they're not. How ten and two with only losing to Alabama? It's almost like you Florida. have to believe someone who typed it up has to be trolling Tennessee fans. I mean, it, that's almost what it feels like to like put something that ridiculous out on the internet. It, it, like you have to figure it's a troll because there's nothing about Tennessee right now that tells me they have a winning record this year. There's nothing at no. all. I don't like. I can't even say they have a good quarterback going into this year because, like, from what we saw last year of what the pieces that they have at the position this year. I don't really see them having a good quarterback. I don't – yeah, this nothing points to them having a winning record this year. Mm-mm, not at all. Um, but, you know, 10-2, and two, have fun. Y'all, yeah. Good luck with those why, expectations. Yeah, you're really setting the, the bar high to yeah. go into the season based on what you saw last year and that your entire program got torn apart in the offseason as well. But, you know, 10-2. and two. Good luck with that. That would put them basic – I mean, yeah, they were, they were going to have them like win in the East – I'm sure, and maybe, maybe, unless they had Florida going like you I'm know, sure if Florida was eleven and one, maybe probably. so. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then now we'll go. We got two teams left outside of Georgia, which we'll talk about last. Um, Texas A&M. That's another one that's a really fun one. Odds are they're going eleven one. 
potential for them to go 12 and 0 because once again that that game that is a good game to watch is them versus Bama. I'm not saying they go 12 and 0. I think they do lose that game um, at the end of the day. I, I really do. But 11 and 1 for for Texas A&M, not a bad season. No, not at all. I, and again, we've, we've we've talked about Texas A&M so much at this point just because of how highly we think of them this year and what they could possibly do this season. So 11-1 is a great season for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies over there in Texas. So they have a legit shot. I mean, that is 11-1 is prime position to possibly crack into the college football playoff if everything else went their way. Oh, yeah. So 11-1 would be a great season for the if Aggies. One loss, out. If they're one losses to Alabama. And then everybody else, like in Oklahoma, has two losses. And then maybe like – it gives you a legit shot. Maybe I mean, a Clemson position. Lo- if a Clemson loses to Georgia to start the season, yeah. you know, all of a sudden that that puts them, you know, at a little bit of a bad spot for the year at the you know, coming towards the end. It, it kind of plays things out. Now, even if Clemson did lose to Georgia, Clemson's winning the ACC, so they'll be in. But you get my point. Like if a team like that or Oklahoma or somebody else slips up on there, it, it opens the door for an eleven one Texas A and M team to put themselves into the playoff spot. There's a reason that last year they were right there on the brinks of making the playoffs as well. There's a reason that the year before that, yeah, sure, they lost four games, I think five games. We talked about this, you know, last week ourselves. But they played top five teams. All of their losses came from within the top five. You know, we we broke all of this down last week, so I won't get into it again. But there's a reason that the only reason they they had a rough year that year is because of who they played. They had the toughest schedule. It was them in South Carolina had the hardest schedules in all of college football. Yeah. And they just didn't win those games. They weren't quite in that spot. Last year, guess what? They had a little bit better of a schedule, and they were right there on the brinks of making the playoffs. This year, schedule's not so bad with uh, LSU not being great, Auburn really not being great. You know, you don't have a ton of uh, West teams breaking down the door this year so they get the chance to walk through it themselves and that's why that one game is going to be a good one to watch a good good game to watch to see how that plays out for them because i think texas a&m is they're on the brinks of of doing something pretty good and and maybe shaking up the west a little bit in the next couple years so yeah we're a little high on here on the show so we'll see how it plays out i think that's a that's a fun one um but we can go ahead and go from that team who has a chance to maybe knock off a bama or something so let's go talk about Vanderbilt. Uh, not a whole lot to talk about Vanderbilt. We get we have them at two and ten, and now that I'm even looking at it, might even be one and eleven, which we also said or one and eleven. Yeah. And the two wins, East Tennessee State. You kind of have to figure there they'll be East Tennessee. This State. Was the, the next one's the question mark that we have. UConn. First up, who the heck knows anything about UConn football? I don't I even know that UConn fans know anything about UConn football. They have a good women's basketball team. Yeah, that's about all I know about UConn. So I don't know much about their football team, but with how bad Vanderbilt is, you have to think that that also could possibly be a loss for them as well. Like, when, Especially when you, we can't say anything about UConn or anything. It's, but, yeah, 2 or 10 or 1 and 11, that's – we can say that with full confidence that that is their season outlook this year. I mean, it's just going to be horrible, absolutely horrible. No positives for them. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see it going very well for them. Um, like you said, if we're sitting here looking at a, a UConn game and saying that you could win, but you also very well could lose that game, that's that's rough. Yeah. I mean, it's it's rough. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you on that one. It's just. Good luck. Maybe the thing about Vanderbilt is I don't understand is they've gone through several head coaches. You know, they've done, they've done all of this stuff. They are consistently 
the bottom of the SEC East consistently. Do you remember a time where they've competed like for an? I remember there were some times the title when they had, uh, um, East title, not a title, not an Eastern title in football. But I remember when they had James Franklin as their head coach. They were like kind. Of, they they had chances of going like six and six, but yeah, it's they've. But then they got rid of him. Yeah. What was it? Was it Derek Mason after that? I believe it was Derek Mason. Who they just got rid of? Yeah. Who I like Derek Mason a lot. I think he got a he didn't get a fair shake. Yeah, I mean it's just hard to build up a program like that when football is probably not their priority. I mean when you especially with how their baseball baseball program is, um, it's just hard to make it a priority. And especially when you're as prestigious as they are in academics, it's just hard to build a football program uh, like that in a situation like that. But moving on from that garbage. We'll go ahead and close it out. Let's go to the good one that everyone wants to hear real quick. The Georgia. What is Georgia doing this season? And we have, I mean, we, this isn't really a surprise just because we've kind of hinted at this all year long is that we have Georgia going 12 and 0 or 11 and 1. And you guys have an idea of who that one loss possibly could be. We're not going to get into any predictions, of course, for that game. We'll leave that for next week. Hence the reason 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 because find out next week. What You'll see what we be. think next week. We'll give you the actual prediction next week to see what we think is going to happen in that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's the only question mark. When we look through this schedule, like, let's real quick, just because it's worth noting, I mean, start the season off with Clemson. That's a great game. Once again, shout out to playing top teams out of conference. Georgia and Clemson have several games scheduled throughout the next, you know, 10 years of like that. Um, but plus, Georgia and Clemson has played – quite often in general. They have a little bit of a rivalry there as well. So building up. Yeah. yeah. And it's getting more and more the next few years when they play so many times in the next like four years, I think they play like two or three times. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a fun one to watch how that plays out overall. But you start the season off there. I mean, UAB's a win. South Carolina's a win. Vanderbilt's a win. Arkansas's a win. Auburn, a win. Kentucky, a win. Florida, once again, they are not going to be anywhere near as good as they were last year. Georgia wins. Missouri, win. Tennessee, win, Charleston Southern, a win, and Georgia Tech, a win. I mean, just listen to that schedule. Where's a loss on that schedule outside of Clemson? Georgia, Yeah, Georgia goes from playing their biggest game of the year, week one, against Clemson. And then after that, your next worry, really, is against Florida. That's like the only possible team that maybe has a legit shot. And it's if they can get you on the chin. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like if they have one of those rivalry games where they just come in swinging and Georgia doesn't, which won't happen just because I can guarantee you Kirby Smart does not want to lose to Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators two years in a row. But, I mean, it's still it's a possibility that it could happen. But, yeah, Georgia just has a very favorable schedule this year. I mean, to be able to you take, you take on Clemson in week one, which isn't even a must-win game for you, just because you know for a fact that you have to win the SEC probably anyways to make the college football playoff. So, Clemson, yeah, it's a great game, and it's a big one for sure for Kirby Smart and the Georgia football program, but it's far from must win just because as long as you take care of business everywhere else, you're going to be sitting pretty in for your expectation is this year anyways, which is a national title. So Georgia's schedule is just built for them to be able to be successful this year, and that's why we have them going 12-0 or 11-1. Yeah. Once again, check back next week to see exactly which way we think that that one goes. Um, but I mean, it, it I, I'm open to a discussion on this, right? So if you're listening, maybe you're a rival fan, maybe you're another Georgia fan out there. Now don't come to me with a, we always drop that one game or whatever. Don't, don't come to me talking about South Carolina or LSU or Auburn on there. 
Because first of all, the only one that you really have any validity to is going to be South Carolina that we really felt like, you know, the Georgia completely fell apart against on there. Auburn, we were on the road and they, they just got us. But guess what? When it mattered, Georgia took care of business in the SEC championship game and completely got rid of that. LSU, that game, they the next year they were the best team almost in, in ever in college football. Like the, the amount of production and how well they played the next year, that was their national championship year. So don't go calling don't talk to me about those games if you if you're a Georgia fan and you want to say that Georgia always drops a game on there. You can if you say South Carolina, sure, we lost that game. That's it. It's just a different team for Georgia it, as well. That like, year was a James Coley offense, a Jake Fromm at quarterback with no wide receivers to throw to. He had a freshman George Pickens and a Lawrence Cager and nobody else. A Lawrence Cager that was hurt all year long. Yeah. He was throwing, because I've said this stat on the show before, he was throwing, I think it was roughly 75% completion percentage when he was throwing the ball to George Pickens and Lawrence Cager. And then it, was, it dropped down to about 55% when he was throwing to anybody else. I don't care if you like Jake Fromm or not. That's fine. You don't have to. He doesn't play at Georgia anymore. You don't have to be a fan of him. Good thing is he's gone at that point. He wasn't a terrible quarterback that year, and he wasn't the reason Georgia was struggling. There was a lot about that team and that offense as a whole that was really not good. Think about it. Georgia got rid of the offensive coordinator after one season there, and then the receivers were just injured or not there in general. And then your quarterback situation being whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was just not a good year for Georgia. It just wasn't. Just accept the fact that it was a they weren't that team that year, so they lost to South Carolina. Accept it, move on. There's not a team on that schedule that is acceptable for Georgia to do that to this year, unless somebody comes out of nowhere, like LSU came out, you know, being as good as they ended up being. That's fine, but I don't see it. So if you're a Georgia fan and you can come out and tell me a game on here that's a genuine a genuine concern of a loss outside of the Clemson game. I'll discuss it with you. I'd love to actually. And then opposing fans, if you're not a Georgia fan or just, you know, a college football fan in general, don't really care. Please show me a loss on that schedule outside of that first game. And I would love to hear your perspective on it and why you think it's a loss. And I'll defend it if I have to, or we're open-minded individuals on the show. Yeah, absolutely. We pride ourselves on the show of actually, like if you conversate with us and you can actually show us pretty good points, we're willing to change our opinions on it. If you do that, I'll come on the show like the following week and I'll say something like, hey, you know what? That's a game to watch because of this. It was explained pretty well. It could be a game to watch. I don't see that right now until somebody brings it to me. I'm going to say Georgia's 11-1 and or 12-0. and And that's the end of that discussion. That's all I got to say, man. That's, that's all I got to say. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we have. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pulling my phone out if you're watching. You can see it, but I have my notes on there for the next part. To, to wrap up talking season, right? There's a couple little things on here. Um, two points that we want to talk about. Well, one, the alliance being made among other conferences. Honestly, it's kind of funny to me. And I'm not going to get into the full discussion on there um, because for sake of time. But we And we talked about it so much last week. Stuff mm-hmm. like that, when we were already talking about the SEC becoming its own you know, entity away from you know, college football and just becoming like a, a, its own almost pro team kind of thing. Other conferences going up against them and, and like voting against them in college football stuff as a whole, or or trying to use that as like a power move because they have the majority outside of like you know between all the big teams in the other conferences. That's great. That's just more likely that the SEC says deuces NCAA. We're gonna do go do our own thing. Y'all have fun with Clemson and Notre Dame. 
And Oklahoma, no, not even Oklahoma. Oklahoma's coming to the SEC. Y'all have fun with Clemson and Notre Dame and maybe Penn State at that point. That's your teams, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you're just pushing them further and further along that road by doing so. Yeah, I, I pretty much gave all my thoughts on the situation last week. So if you want to hear me speak on the situation, I kind of went on a little bit of a rant about it. So go back to last week's episode if you want to hear my thoughts on that situation. And then the last thing we'll talk about, it's always when we talk about the talking season, we always have to talk about Florida fans. There's always one of them. There's always at least one. That's generous to say there's just one. Yeah. Um, but there's one we'll talk about this time. And it's in reference to Walter Nolan and his final three that just came out, which if you missed it, it was Georgia, Texas A&M, and Tennessee that he just announced on there. So we'll see which way that goes in the near future. Um, he's he's probably coming out pretty soon as far as when he announces. But anyways, it was a Florida fan on some message board that got a screenshot sent to me on there. And it said, in reference to Walter Nolan, he'll come crawling back when we whoop Bama by double digits. Again, you just have to assume that these people are trolls because, like... It's the same thing. Like there is, it's the same thing that we said about Tennessee going ten and two. There's nothing that points to Florida being beating Alabama by double digits. Losing to them by double digits. Oh yeah, that is very likely, but definitely not beating them by double digits. Mm-hmm. Not a chance. That's not happening at all. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I guess and and see. Oh, oh. we'll see how that plays out. I'm pressing buttons over here. Sorry guys. <laughs> Mouse has the side buttons. Um. I'm going to pull this here. You can see it for a second. Sorry, guys. Um, anyways, so we'll see how that plays out with them, I guess, because they're thinking that they beat Bama by... He and that Tennessee fan probably get along really well. Yeah, I'm sure they would. Because if they're sitting here thinking that, uh, you know, going to win by well, double digits to Bama, that means they think they're going undefeated in the East, and, yeah. and I think that means they're going undefeated in the season. So then maybe, yeah, at that point, Tennessee, that's your one losses to an undefeated yeah, t- uh, Florida, so. apparently. And then, you know, Alabama, who apparently has a one loss to Florida of all teams of all on there. So good luck with that, I guess. We'll see how that plays out in the whole season. Talking season's coming to an end. Florida, you're hitching your wagon to Emory Jones and Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham. Let's not forget that. Yeah. So that's your that's your trio. We'll see how it goes for you. But anyways, as always, keep it classy in the classic city, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stod 7, to Kyle at DK Fubderberg, and Jonathan at 22 underscore J-Man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, go dogs. <laughs>